All right, let's read in the book of John, chapter 19. We'll read the scripture, and then we'll make a few comments. And, and I told Renee to let, throw a rock at me or something if I get too long tonight. But uh, anyway, John, chapter 19, and let's pray before we read. Father, I pray, Lord, you'd bless the reading of your word. God, I pray that you'd use it for your honor and glory. Help me to step aside tonight. Use my body. Use my mouth. Lord, speak through us what you would have us to hear. Lord, help me to decrease that you might increase. Father, help me disappoint people to Jesus. Bless the service. Bless the, the message. Bless everyone that's here tonight. In Jesus' holy and righteous name I ask. Amen. All right, let's look in the scripture at John chapter 19, starting with verse 10. Now, this whole story, this whole chapter, uh, in the next couple chapters is pretty much the Easter story, but we don't have time to read it all tonight. So I'm going to kick in with verse uh, 10 there. The Bible said, Then said Pilate unto him, Speakest thou not unto me? Knowest thou not that I have power to crucify thee, and have power to release thee? Look what Jesus answered, and he said, Thou couldest have no power at all against me, except it were given thee from above. Therefore he that delivered me unto thee hath the greater sin. And then verse 12, And from henceforth Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out, saying, If thou let this man go, thou art not Caesar's friend. Whosoever maketh himself a king speaketh against Caesar. And when Pilate therefore heard that, saying, He brought Jesus forth and sat down in the judgment seat in a place that is called the pavement, but in the Hebrew, Gabbatha. And then verse 14, And it was the preparation of the Passover, and about the sixth hour, and he said unto the Jews, Behold your king. But they cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate saith unto them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, We have no king but Caesar. And then delivered he him therefore unto them to be crucified. And they took Jesus and led him away. And he, bearing his cross, went forth into a place called the place of a skull, which is called in the Hebrew, Golgotha. Aren't you glad for that place? That place, it's, it's a sad place, a, a miserable place, but I'm glad if he hadn't gone there, we wouldn't be here tonight. We, none of us would have a hope. We might as well cut the lights off and go out the door and go home and just, just wait for our trip to hell. But aren't you glad tonight that he went to Calvary? He went all the way to Golgotha. And like I said, uh, at Blackwater, we started a little series this morning, and I'm just going to give you all the first week. If you all want to hear the other two weeks, you'll just have to just leave, uh, leave Woodland next week and come, come visit us. But, uh, hey, I, I don't know where we'd put all of you. Uh, our church might hold 200. But anyway, uh, y'all can always, I wanted to let you know we are on live stream at, at Blackwater uh, now, at Blackwater Baptist Church. Uh, I don't know, I don't know the whole email, but if you'll just Google or put it, go on Facebook and put in Blackwater Baptist Church, you can see our services. Uh, and you can also go back and see them afterwards. You know, you might not, you won't be able to see it tonight, but you could go back maybe Monday or Tuesday night and see some of our services. So y'all pray for us at Blackwater. We just want to serve the Lord and be, and be a witness in our little community there. All right, so I love this time of year. I told you that a while ago. I love Easter. I love when the springtime comes. The earth, the old cold dead earth starts coming back alive again. The beautiful trees, the flowers, the hay fever and all that stuff. And well, I've been, I've been fighting a cold for two weeks now. My sinuses have been having a fit, but I, I love it. I love this time of year, and I really do, just seeing the grass turn green again. 
And uh, I told my church this morning, I enjoy winter to an extent, and the most of the reason I do that is because I don't have to go out there and mow and work in the yard. I can sit back and relax a little bit. But I still love when spring comes, don't you? When the newness of life just comes back and, and it comes back alive again. And I, it's a shame, you know, with Easter coming up, I think it's two weeks from today. Is that, is that right? Two weeks? Yeah, the 10th and then the 17th. Two weeks from today, we're going to be celebrating Easter. And it's a shame that this country and this world doesn't know the real meaning, isn't it? They, they, all they want is a day off, a day off of work or uh, go take a vacation trip or a, a long weekend or something. They don't celebrate the risen Savior, do they? But I'm glad tonight that we as Christians, we have that day in our life that we can remember our Lord and Savior and what he did for us. Uh, Renee, my wife, she works at a, a credit union, and they don't even give them any time off anymore for Easter, and that's just a shame. That used to be a holy day, and I, I still, and even if she has to work, we're going to still worship him. We're still going to serve him, but it's just a shame that this world does not celebrate uh, the, the actual meaning of Easter. But, uh, you know, for the next few Sundays at our church, we're going to be discussing, you know, nearing the cross, and I told you all to go, I want to get near. I need to get near to the cross. I'm glad I met him at the cross one Sunday morning. January the 23rd, 1977, he met me there at the foot of the cross and said, Greg, come unto me, and I'll no wise cast you out. He saved me as a 16-year-old boy, and I, I had been coming to Woodland for 16 years of my life, and uh, I, Brother Zeno was my uncle, and I had grandpas that were, and uncles that were deacons, and I, I had grandmas and aunts and uncles that were teachers and things like that. Hey, but I would have died and went to hell. That, that stuff doesn't mean a, a hill of beans in God's book. If your name's not written in that Lamb's book of life, and I remember the Lord just dealing with my heart that weekend. As a 16-year-old boy, I felt like my heart was about to, I felt like I was having a heart attack. I felt like my heart was about to beat out of my chest. But that was the Holy Ghost's conviction showing me that my goodness, my righteousness was not going to get me there. And I'm glad that he opened my eyes that Sunday morning and saved me. And, and I met him at the foot of the cross, and I'm glad for what he did for me. All right, so I'm going to just go through this uh, message as quick as I can. Um, they bought, I think the guys are going to put a few scriptures up there if they don't mind. Uh, you know, Jesus was in that tomb for three days. We know that. Now, whether he died on Friday or Thursday or you know, Wednesday, we don't know that. But I do believe he was in that tomb for three days. But we know that he rose again, don't we? We know he's not there tonight. We know he's alive and alive forevermore. And uh, whether he died on Thursday or Friday or Wednesday, none of that makes a whole lot of difference, but I'm just glad he arose, aren't you? I'm glad he's not there, and I'm glad that we serve a risen Savior. So Jesus was in that tomb for three days, and possibly, like I said, could have been crucified on Wednesday or Thursday. That doesn't matter to me uh, what day it was. I just know that he did it for me. And, uh, but the Bible tells us in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, uh, the boys, I think they're going to put that up on the screen. The Bible says there, for I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. And then it goes on and says, and that he was buried, and that he was, rose again, and in the third day according to the Scriptures. Hey, that's the gospel in, the, in a nutshell right there. If we didn't have any other verse in the Bible, that would be enough to get you saved tonight tells us about the death, burial, and resurrection. And I don't care if you can afford to put $1,000 in that plate every Sunday. I'm sure Tim appreciates that. And, uh, but I tell you, that ain't going to buy your way to heaven, is it? And I don't care if you can drive every bus and if you can teach every class. None of that's good enough. 
Hey, it's all by the cross, isn't it? It's all by him, the death, the burial, and the resurrection. And I'm glad that scripture right there tells us that. You know, there's a song that we sing. Uh, I think it's in our hymnals, most of all the hymnals, and you've probably all sung this and heard this. And Near the Cross, I love that song. It's an old song. Uh, I don't think any of y'all were around when Fanny Crosby was here. She was, she was alive in 1869, so I don't think any of us were uh, alive back then. She wrote this song, Near the Cross, and it goes like this. Jesus, keep me near the cross. There's a precious fountain. Free to all, a healing stream flows from Calvary's mountain. But I love that chorus. In the cross, in the cross, be my glory ever, till my ransomed soul shall find rest beyond the river. Hey, I'm glad tonight. We need to get a little closer to the cross sometime. We need to be remembered where Jesus brought us from. Hey, I, I don't care whether you're a... a deacon in the church or Sunday school teacher. I don't care whether you robbed a bank this week. Hey, we're all sinners, ain't we? Hey, we're all in the same need, the same blood. The same blood saved me, the same blood that same, saves an old sinner that was on his way to hell by murder and everything else. It's the same blood, the same, same gospel that we talked about. So I want us to look tonight at a few thoughts, and I do get dry, dry mouth, so y'all pr uh, forgive me for drinking water. But I want us to look at a few things that now, like I said, at Blackwater, we're breaking this down to a three-week series, so I'm going to have to uh, just give you part one tonight. But the first day, today, this morning, we started looking at this subject, the thoughts ahead of the cross. Hey, aren't you glad we were thought of before the cross? Hey, but God commended his love toward us, and it, well, while I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. And I love that song. He knew me, but yet he loved me. I don't understand it. I can't explain that tonight. I don't even love me sometimes. Hey, there's times in my life I just say, Greg, you're just a filthy, rotten. I better not say everything I am. But I tell you what, I don't see any good in myself. I really don't. But I don't know. He looked ahead, he looked ahead in time. He said, that boy's going to need a Savior. And when, I, when he was on the cross, I and you, Reggie, and every one of us in here was on, on his mind, even Ricky. He even thought about Ricky when he was on the cross. And that's going pretty low right there, ain't it? But, but hey, I'm glad tonight that he thought of us and he thought ahead of the cross. So I want us to look at five points real quickly tonight. I'll try to keep my time down to a minimum here. But number one on our list under that subject, the thoughts ahead of the cross, I thought about this. Jesus was revealed at the manger. Aren't you glad? We just got through celebrating Christmas, what, two, three months ago now? And I, I love that time of year, but I'm glad when it's about over too. But I tell you what, aren't you glad that Jesus came to us? He came and put skin on. That's what I believe he, put, he, he left the portals of glory. Put skin on and came into this world for you and for I. Uh, the book of Luke, uh, they're going to put some of these scriptures up on the screen for us if you, you want to follow along. Luke chapter 2, verse 7. Here's what the Bible said. Now, this is the Christmas story, so you'll, you'll remember this. It said, And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Aren't you glad he came and born? He, he didn't come into a palace, did he? He came into a lowly manger, and uh, he deserved it. He deserved a palace. He deserved to be the royal treatment. If, if there ever was a royal treatment, he should have got it. But I'm glad tonight that he came lowly, and he came and he was born in that and, and revealed to us in that manger. 
And, uh, you know, that wasn't when Jesus was alive. Jesus was alive in Genesis 1-1. Didn't I tell you that a while ago? And we read about it, him being revealed in Luke chapter 2, but he was been here forever. And uh, I, my mind can't comprehend that, Ricky. I'm just a dumb old country boy. Hey, I remember, you know, this, old, this pulpit right here had a beginning, didn't it? It was a tree at one time. Did you all know that? It was just a tree. And, uh, you know, the lights, they had a beginning. The carpet, it had a beginning, but my Savior didn't. My Savior has been here in the beginning, God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And that, and that includes God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Hey, they were all there. And I'm so glad that even though he was revealed in a manger, he was already alive for many, many millennium before that. He's been alive forever. Luke chapter 2, verse 12 also says this, And this shall be a sign unto you that ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Aren't you glad tonight that he was revealed to us in a manger? And uh, Isaiah 40, verse 5, I'm not going to take time to comment a lot about these verses, but the Bible speaks for itself, don't it? Isaiah 40, verse 5 says this, And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. That's in the Old Testament. That's before Jesus ever came to this earth. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. I believe Jesus was there in Isaiah's day. I believe he was there in Moses' day. Hey, he may not have been there in skiing like in, in, in uh, Luke, but he was there. And if, it doesn't matter what book you open. You can open Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, all the way down through the Scriptures from the beginning to the Revelation. If you don't see Jesus, you need to go back and read it again. Jesus is there. He's there. He's, he's there in every scripture, and he was revealed to us at the manger. One more scripture I wanted to show you in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 7. It says, And to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed. He's going to be revealed again, folks. He, he died on that old rugged cross stayed, and stayed on this earth for 40 days, went back to heaven, been there ever since, but he's coming back. He's going to be revealed again, aren't you? I'm looking forward to that day. And it said there, he shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. He's coming back. Are you ready tonight? Hey, I am. I don't have to go home and pack anything, and I don't even have to go home and tell my dogs goodbye. I don't have to tell nothing. Hey, I'm ready to go. If I leave from here tonight, if I die on the way home tonight, just come by the casket and say, Greg's in heaven. Greg's already there, and I'm glad tonight that... Aren't you glad he was revealed to us? He was revealed. He didn't have to. He didn't even have to come to this, this earth. He could have stayed there and say, boy, them guys have messed up. They deserve hell, and he would have been right. He would have been right. We, every one of us, deserve hell. But praise the Lord, he revealed himself to us and came to this world in a manger. Number two, not only was Jesus revealed at the manger, I thought of this. Jesus was righteous in his ministry. He was righteous. That word righteous means perfect to me. I believe they, ain't a, they never one sinful thought ever ran through his head. Not one ugly thought, not even, not, you know, you might be going down the road and somebody swerve in front of you. Doesn't, don't you get mad sometimes? Don't you? I'm just, I guess I'm just old sinful flesh, but sometimes I get angry on the road. And sometimes I have evil thoughts. Sometimes we, we say things and do things that we shouldn't. Like old Paul said, the things that I should do, I don't. And the things that I don't do, I should. And that's just me in a nutshell right there. But I'm glad tonight I serve one that's righteous. Perfect. Perfect. And he, he showed us his righteousness in his ministry. Uh, if you will, look in, uh, they're going to put these up on the screen there. Mark chapter 71, verse 19. Uh, this was Jesus now, like I told you a while ago. Jesus was here in the flesh. 
and when he, when he lived on this earth, but he was still God. He was ever 100% man, but he was 100% God. And uh, I'm glad tonight that he showed us his righteousness. Read that verse there in Psalms 71, 19. It says, thy righteousness. Now remember, this is Old Testament. This is before he ever came to this earth. It says, thy righteousness also, O God, is very high. It ain't just high, it's very high. It's the highest of all. Perfect. Who has done great things, O God? Who is like unto thee? Ain't nobody. Nobody's ever been like unto my Lord. And uh, I've had some good people in my life, some good friends, and I've met some people along the way that has been good Christians, and I admire them, and I looked up to them. But they just, man, they're going to let me down, and I'm going to let them down. Hey, I told Blackwater when they voted me in as pastor, you're just voting in an old sinner. Say, by the grace of God, I'll let you down. I promise you I don't want to, but I'm just man. But I'm glad tonight we serve one that never will. Never will let us down. He's there every step of the way, and I'm so glad of that tonight. Jesus is righteousness. He's perfect. Isaiah 5.16, here's what it says there. And then remember, this is Old Testament again. Isaiah 5.16 says, But the Lord of hosts shall be exalted in judgment. God that is holy shall be sanctified, set apart, sanctified in righteousness. Hey, he is righteous. He's perfect. He's never sinned. Not one, not one iota has he ever thought of any kind of sin. I'm glad today that he was revealed at the manger, but I'm glad he was righteous in his ministry. Uh, Hebrews 4, 15. Hey, I, like I said, I'm going to have a lot of Scripture, but I'm just going to let the Scripture do the preaching tonight. Let the Scripture do the talking. It says in Hebrews 4, 15, Paul said, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points. All points he was tempted like as we are. But he wasn't like us, was he? He was tempted as we are, but what? Without sin. He's perfect. He's righteous. He lived a perfect life, had a righteous ministry, didn't he? You know, Jesus walked and he talked on this earth. He walked and he talked and he spoke, but everything he did was perfect. Not one thing could you ever, you can't show me a scripture in the Bible where he didn't do something right. He was perfect, Ricky. Hey, I can't even spell perfect half the time. But he was perfect. He was righteous. He was everything. You know, um, how, how's our ministry today? Jesus' ministry was righteous. How's ours today? Boy, we fall short of that, don't we? Hey, every one of us falls short of having a righteous ministry. How's our walk this tonight? How's our walk and our talk and our thoughts? Hey, we mess up every day. And I'm, I'm saved, but I'm still a sinner, and I still mess up. But I am a sinner, saved by the grace of God. And here's one other scripture I wanted to show you in Acts chapter 20, verse, four, uh, verse 24. It says this, But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. That's what I want to do, folks. I want to finish my ministry. And I'm not, going, I'm not ever going to be in the who's who. Or you won't see me in the Winston-Salem Journal, and you ain't going to see my name up on some big 1,500 uh, know, member church. Hey, I'm just an old sinner, and I'm just an old country preacher. But I tell you what, I want my ministry to finish up with the Lord. I want it to be like that Paul said there, I have received, I received what the Lord wanted me to have, and now I'm going to testify the gospel. I don't know a lot. I'm not very educated. I don't have a doctorate degree beside my name or anything else. But I know this, I know Jesus. And I, can I told the church, I can tell them, tell them about him. All right, so we see, first of all, the thoughts ahead of the cross.
cross, we see, first of all, Jesus was revealed to us at the manger. He was righteous in his ministry. And then number three, I thought of this, Jesus was revered for the miracles. Hey, boy, he performed a lot of miracles, didn't he? He was a miracle-working God. And Jesus was, you know, Jesus was performing miracles long before the manger. Hey, he didn't just come into this world and start performing miracles. He was doing it in times past and in the Old Testament. All throughout the, the Old Testament, we see where our, our Lord and Savior was performing miracles. Look back in Deuteronomy. They'll put that up on the screen there in Deuteronomy chapter 11. Verses 2 and 3, here's what Moses said in Deuteronomy 11:2. He says, And know ye this day, for I speak not with your children, which have not known and which have not seen the chastisement of the Lord your God, his greatness and his mighty hand and his stretched out arm, and I like this, and his miracles. Even back in the Old Testament, Jesus was performing miracles. No, he wasn't here in the flesh, but he was already performing miracles. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit was here. And it said, in his miracles and his acts, which he did in the midst of Egypt, unto Pharaoh and the king of Egypt, unto all this land. Hey, aren't you glad we serve a miracle-working God? You want to see a miracle tonight? Get you a mirror. Get you a mirror. Look in it. Hey, you're a miracle. I'm a miracle. Boy, we all. Hey, ain't a one of us in here, buddy. Hey, we all deserve hell. That's all we are. It's just firewood for hell. But I'm glad tonight that he, he loved me. He knew me, but yet he loved me. And he, he, he saved my old unworthy soul tonight. And I'm a miracle. Lisa, I love that song. Or Lisa Children's Dad. I love when she sings that song about a miracle. And me, and I, that's all I am. I'm just a miracle. And it's a miracle every one of us got saved. Hey, you say, I wasn't that bad. I wasn't, I never cursed and I never blasphemed God and I never murdered and robbed a bank and, and stole and all that, but we were all sinners, wasn't we? Every one of us. I thought I remembered the day old Tommy Holder got saved. Yeah. I, I was at Woodland, at the old Woodland there. Yeah. And if I ain't mistaken, it's June 21st, 1980. Is that right? I think that's, he tells us every time he comes, but I think that's the date. But I remember old Tommy, he come in the back door of that church, looked like a rug rat. I mean, he had long, scraggly hair and beard and all this stuff. And tat I mean, I don't know, he, he was just a mess. But I'm glad I remember that day when he walked down that aisle. The good Lord changed his life, and he did the same thing for you and I, Ricky. Hey, we, I was just a self-righteous sinner, uh, but I was still lost, every one of us. And I'm glad tonight that he loved us. And he performed a miracle when he saved Greg Hall. I promise you he did. And it's a miracle I'm going to get to go to heaven one day. And I'm glad that I am. John chapter 2, the scripture he'll put up there, John chapter 2 verse 23 tells us this. Now when he was in Jerusalem, talking about Jesus at the Passover, in the feast days, many believed in his name when they saw the miracles. Hey, he was revered for his miracles. People gathered around him. They wanted to see him perform those miracles, how he healed the lame, healed the blind, the eyes, and brought the lame back to, to be able to walk again, healed deaf ears to be able to hear again. Uh, people loved that. They, they loved to see the miracles, but they didn't want to believe in him, did they? And uh, I'm glad tonight I'm, I'm, I'm not a Benny Hen. I ain't going to go up and slap somebody upside the head and tell them I can heal them tonight. I don't have that power. But I know one, I know a man who can. I know a man who still can perform miracles tonight. John chapter 6 and verse 2. John 6, 2, here's what John said. And a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles, which he did 
on them that were diseased. Jesus performed thousands of miracles. The Bible on him, it can't cover a, a third of them or more, probably a whole lot more than that. You know, the Bible can't con, 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 con hold, I guess is the word I'm trying to look for. It can't hold all the things that Jesus did. Only the has been told. But I'll, listen to what John chapter 12, verse 37 says. But though he had done so many miracles before them, what does it say? Yet they believed not on him. Ain't that sad? They loved, they loved, they revered his miracles. They loved to see him perform their miracles. But when he came and told them about he was the son of God and he could save them, they didn't want to go that far, did they? And the same way with this world today. They believe, you know, they believe a lot of stuff about the Bible. But when it comes to salvation, they don't want to go all the way, do they? Hey, you... Jesus paid it all. He didn't pay half of it. He didn't pay a part of it. He paid it all. All right, so we're going to quickly try to finish this up. Jesus was revealed at the manger. He was righteous in the ministry. He was revered for his miracles. But then I like number four. Jesus was resisted about the message. He came to this world for one thing, one message, but he was resisted, wasn't he? People came, they loved to see his miracles and they loved to see all the, the things he could do physically, but they didn't want to believe in him being the son of God. What was Jesus' message? And if I asked you tonight to write down what was Jesus' message, what did he come to this world for? And we might have several different answers and things like that, but it all points to one thing, doesn't it? You know, Jesus didn't go around trying to overthrow kingdoms, did he? He didn't go and try to, to upset kingdoms and kick out people that were in the rulers. He didn't go around condemning harlots and condemning whoremongers and, and all the others that were doing those awful sins. He didn't come to this world to condemn, did he? Uh, he didn't go around criticizing the sinner. I thought about old Zacchaeus. He, he, he took old Zacchaeus and he said, come on down, boy. Hey, I know you've made a lot of mistakes, but he said, come on down. Come with me. He, tell, he tell, told us in Luke 19, verses 9 and 10, it said this, And Jesus said unto him, talking about Zacchaeus, This day is salvation come to this house, for so much as he is also a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man is come to what? Seek and to save that which is lost. That's his message. That was his message in a nutshell right there. He didn't come to that manger to be seen. He didn't come to put on a show to, to tell people he was the king of the world. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. That was my Lord's mission in life. And uh, even though he had that mission and that message, hey, he was resisted, wasn't he? And it's happening today. Hey, Brother Tim gets up here service after service, preaches his heart out, tells everybody about Jesus. All the preachers do, but what happens? The church, the most of the people resist him, don't they? Majority resist him, and that was happening in Jesus' day. Hey, I'm going I'm to show you something here in Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2, verse 17. Now, this is some old religious people. Y'all know any of them? Scribes and Pharisees, they might not have that title today, but they still a lot of them around. Their nephews and nieces are still around, ain't they? A lot of scribes and Pharisees. And here's what it says in Mark chapter 2, verse 17 says, When Jesus heard it, he said unto them, They that are whole have no need of the physician, but they that are sick. But what does he tell them? He says, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. To repentance. That's his message right there. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. He came to call sinners to repentance. I'm glad he did. Yeah. Boy, that's, I'm glad he showed me, and I'm glad he gave me the faith to believe in that. Hey, without him, we couldn't, we, none of us would have a hope tonight. This was Jesus' motive. 
This was his motive for coming to earth. It was his motive, it was his ministry, and it was his message. But just like back then, yet the world resisted that message, didn't it? The world still resists it today. They don't mind having a, a religious experience, but they don't want to say, hey, I'm lost. They don't want to admit it, do they? They don't want to confess their sins and say, I need a Savior. Today, they're still resisting the message. Acts 7, verse 51 Here's what the Bible says. Ye stiff-necked, that sounds like a lot of Baptists today. Ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, ye do always resist the Holy Ghost. As your fathers did so, so do ye. Hey, a lot of this world today is resisting the Lord, aren't they? Hey, and uh, one more verse I wanted to show you in Romans 13, verse 2. Romans 13, 2, here's what Paul said. He said, Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist it shall what? Receive to them damnation. Hey, God don't send nobody to hell. They send herself. They receive, they receive not. They reject his message. They resist his message of him coming to seeking to save that which was lost, and they receive to themselves damnation. God never wants, the only person he's ever sent to hell is, is Lucifer and his, uh, his uh, demonic angels. God don't send us to hell, we send ourselves. Humankind does it themselves by resisting that message. And all right, so number five on our list today, he was revealed by, at the manger, righteous in the ministry, revered for his miracles, and he was resisted about the message. But then number five, Jesus was rejected by the multitudes. Ain't no telling how many millions and billions of people have been on this earth since Genesis 1-1. We don't know the countless, but right now they say there's somewhere around 8 billion people on this earth. Can you imagine since Genesis till now, probably billions and trillions and quadrillions, I don't know. Nobody knows, but from Adam and Eve all the way to the present time, God created untold billions and billions of people. But you know what? He knew every one of them. Every one of them's a soul. Hey, we're not just a robot, are we? We're a soul. God loves you tonight. And I thought about those poor aborted babies that never got to have a day on this earth. Hey, they had a soul. God loved them. God knew every one of them. And God's got them there in heaven this morning or tonight. But uh, aren't you glad that we're not just a number? Hey, you go to the doctor's office or the social security office, you're a number. That's all you are. But I'm glad God knows Greg Hall. He knows my name. He knows your name tonight. Hey, we're more than just a number. We're a soul. And I'm glad Jesus loves us tonight. But I'm glad I also want to make sure you understand this, that those countless, countless multitudes, most of them rejecting, don't they? Most of them rejected by the multitude. Our God loves us tonight. Uh, and I want you to see this. So the vast majority of this world is still rejecting him today. If it wasn't, I told Blackwater this morning, our church will hold about 200 probably. We probably had 25 or 30 there this morning. Most of the world's rejected him, ain't they? If we didn't, those pews have been full. They'd been standing outside wanting to come in, come in. Hey, but they're, rege they're rejecting him. They're re he's rejected by the multitudes tonight. In 1 Samuel 10, verses 17 through 19, just a few more scriptures, it says this, and Samuel called the people together unto the land to Mizpah, and said unto the children of Israel, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, 
I brought up Israel out of Egypt and delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all kingdoms of them that oppressed you. But look at verse 19. And ye have this day rejected, rejected your God who himself saved you out of all your adversities. He's done that for us today, hasn't he? Saved them out of their adversities and their tribulations. And ye have said unto him, Nay, but set a king over us. Now, therefore, present yourselves before the Lord by your tribes and by your thousands. Hey, that, that scripture there tells me that a lot of people forgot where God brought them from. Those Israelites, they just kept forgetting. They forget, just kept putting it on the back burner. But you know what? God had to remind them, didn't he? He'll draw you back. He'll chastise you and get you back. A couple more scriptures and we'll be done tonight. Hey, I love Isaiah 53. That's always been one of my favorite passages of scripture. And Isaiah 53, back in the Old Testament, said this, predicting our Lord's coming. It said this, He is despised and rejected of men. We, he knew it was going to happen. It didn't surprise him one bit. He was going to be despised and rejected of men. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. We hid, we hid as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Hey, is that the way the world is today? Hey, Lord... We ought to be on our knees tonight begging him to forgive us, to love us, and take us into his family. But the world's still rejecting that message. They're still turning him down. Let's all bow our heads and close our eyes tonight for just a few minutes. One more scripture I wanted to read. Luke chapter 9, verse 22. Jesus talking. He said this, saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things, and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and scribes, and be slain and be raised the third day. In Genesis 1-1, he knew what was going to happen to this world. He knew we were going to need a sinner. I mean, need a Savior, I'm sorry. He knew that uh, he was going to reveal himself at the cross, but he knew he'd be rejected, didn't he? But he knew that you and I, some of us, was going to receive him. And if you're here tonight, maybe you're a church member, maybe you're a Sunday school member, Maybe you're a tither. Maybe you're even a Sunday school teacher. I don't know. Hey, do we have him in our heart? Do you know him as Savior tonight? Boy, this could be the best day in your life. Amen. You better not reject him. What did that verse say? You're receiving damnation to yourself. God won't send you to hell, but you'll send yourself. If you don't accept his son as Savior, let's all stand with our head bowed and eyes closed.